Well, good morning. Gail, you've got some energy and it's a hard gig to follow coming after Gail. Hey, uh, you're the warm up. There you go. Well, uh, you've well and truly warmed us up. Hey, good morning, everyone. And to those who are watching online today, great to have you with us. Whether you're here in person, whether you're online as well too, really looking forward to uh, sharing something that I think is truly significant with us this morning. Uh, I think a big part of God's vision for our church and really the church as well too. You know, I wonder what, uh, what, it, what it is that maybe you are looking forward to uh, as you think about 2022 or launching into a brand new year. I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about uh, fresh opportunities, new things to do, and just a couple of weeks' time, I'm about to go on a holiday, which uh, I am very excited about. You know, uh, in two weeks' time, Julie and I and the family, we're, we're actually heading back to the US to spend some time with our youngest son, who uh, a little over two years ago, we put him on a plane and said goodbye to him and said, we'll see you in a few months' time, and we haven't seen him since. And so we are really looking forward to being together again as a family and spending some really good time. So if you want to pray for our family, you can be praying that we manage to get onto a plane and avoid all the kind of the effects of a global pandemic in the leading up to that, because that would be a little bit devastating. So that's something you can be praying about. But I wonder about you. What is it that you are thinking about, looking forward to, or, or maybe even dreaming about as you begin a new year? For some of you, it might be, uh, it's the beginning of university. Uh, or no, maybe even going back further. Some of you, it's year 11 and 12. And so that's kind of where you sit. And you're excited about uh, being back in school, maybe not online learning or remote learning, and you're going to be there. For others, it's university. Uh, you have been working for this for 12 years, and you're there, and you're about to dip into that. Maybe others, well, you're thinking about getting married. Or uh, you're preparing for the entrance of your first child or maybe a grandchild into this world. Maybe it's about acquiring a much more healthy, balanced lifestyle or, or it's maybe something around a home. There's all kinds of things, isn't there, that we can get excited about. Uh, we can dream about fresh uh, ideas, possibilities, things that we can sink uh, our hearts and our minds to in 2022. You know uh, for some of us, though, uh, it's a much harder question to answer if you were to say, well, what is it that you are looking forward to or prioritizing? It's been quite difficult for some of us if you think about what the last two years has done to us. You know, in a, in a time of constant changing plans, uh, everything's kind of pivoting all the time, pretty hard to make a decision about anything or to get excited about any opportunity when you never know whether you're going to actually have it to hang on to. And what is it? that maybe you would identify, that you would say, you know what, this is what's most important to me. You know, I want to have us spend just a few moments this morning thinking about that, uh, kind of dipping into it and kind of considering for a moment what that might look like for us individually and then collectively as a church family as well, because I think this is a really important question. Even though we don't know what this year is going to look like, uh, and I don't, you know, it's going to be a better year than last year. I'm believing for a better year. But, you know, even though we don't know what the year looks like, I think it's important for us to be thinking about, well, where are we going to, what are we going to prioritize? What is it that's going to have our focus, have our hearts? And I, I want to suggest that that's really important for us as followers of Jesus, having, uh, you know, answering that question because 
God has a vision for his church that I think needs to sit front and center uh, in our thoughts, in our thinking, uh, you know, as we kind of live in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, that that kind of sits in our vision as well. So to help us do that, I want to explore two conversations that are found in the Gospels. Two conversations that Jesus had with two very different groups of people. A conversation that happened uh, on both occasions towards the, the back end of his ministry. One not quite at the back, but one really right at the back end of his ministry. One's found in the Gospel of Matthew and the other one's found in the Gospel of Mark. And let, let's start in the Gospel of Mark today. You know, if you're new to faith and uh, you, uh, maybe someone's given you a Bible, you're not quite sure where to go, well, you kind of open it up to the middle and the Gospel of Matthew and Mark, Luke and John, they're the first four books in the New Testament. But if you've got a device, you'll find it much easier if you've got a Bible app on your phone. And in the Gospel of Mark, in the 12th chapter, we find Jesus on the back end of a conversation that he'd been having with some religious leaders uh, around uh, some questions they were asking him. In fact, he had been teaching them a parable about a vineyard and some workers in the vineyards. And uh, in the course of the teaching, uh, these religious leaders were quite aggrieved by what he had said because in one sense, he was accusing them of not being good workers in the vineyards. And so they take a moment, they retreat, and then they come back, they regroup, and they come back and they begin to pepper him with some questions. They begin to ask a question about loyalty to Caesar versus loyalty to God. And then a little bit later on, they ask him about some issues that pertain to uh, the end of life uh, in, in, in the resurrection. And when they realize that they cannot entrap Jesus, one of them comes with a much more sincere question and asks Jesus about what the most important commandment is that they ought to follow. And Jesus responds to uh, this gentleman, to this religious leader who comes asking this question by referring to uh, a couple of passages in the Old Testament, one in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and then another one in Leviticus chapter 19. And then he says these words. He says, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord." And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than this. We have this conversation in the Gospel of Mark, it's also in the Gospel of Matthew. And the only difference in the Gospel of Matthew is that on the very end of it, Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 22, verse 40. He said, The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. On the two commands of loving God and loving others. All the law, all the Old Testament and the foundation of our Jewish faith is based on these two commands. Now, what does it look like for us today to love God and to love others. Let's start with loving God. You know, this word love, we throw it around so flippantly in our culture today, don't we? You know, in one moment, I might, in one breath, I might say, you know what, I, I, love, uh, I love ice cream, and I love chocolate, and I love coffee, and uh, I love going on walks, and I like gardening, and I like riding my bike, and I like the Essendon Football Club, and then in the next breath, I might say that I love my wife. 
Now, you know the context, and you know, well, surely Dave doesn't love his wife as much as he loves coffee or the Essendon Football Club, and the answer would be, no, that's not true. It is context, I love my wife so much more. But we use this word in our culture, we just kind of throw it around all over the place. And it makes it much more difficult when we come to some teaching where Jesus says, you are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. Now, what's that look like for us today, practically speaking, to love God in that way? Well, I want to suggest that uh, it means this. You see, uh, it tells us, it means that our hearts, when we love God, it means that our hearts must be set on what delights His heart. And it means that our minds must be anchored into His words as the final authority in this world. And it means that our souls, that very inner, that, that core of who we are, must be satisfied only with what pleases Him. And our strength, what we have, what we kind of give to things in life, must be, uh, it must be directed towards or spent on what serves Him and Him alone. In other words... You know, if we're really going to love God, we can't just love Him with a part of ourselves, but we're called to measure every thought, every emotion, every feeling, every word, and every action in light of our desire to please and to honor Him alone. That's what it looks like to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to suggest, and you're probably with me, that is easier said than done. What does it also mean to love others as ourselves? Well, loving your neighbour as yourself, it's found eight times in the Scriptures. Not once, not twice, but eight different times it is mentioned. God not only repeats Himself, but He also makes it a command. And He doesn't just make it a list of many commands. What He does is that He links it to the most important commandments of loving God with all the heart, soul, mind and strength. So what does that look like for us, not only to love God, but to love others? What's that look like? Well, I want to suggest today that the straightforward teaching of Christ is that in the same way that we take care of ourselves and concerned about our own interests, then we also should take care of and show interest in the, in the lives, uh, interests or concern for the interests of others. Or to put it another way, loving others means that we are willing to show grace, to act with compassion, to look out for the interests of others, to speak kindly, to forgive, and to make allowances for other people's humanity. That's what that looks like. See, according to Christ, he was pretty clear with these religious leaders that loving gods and loving others was an absolute priority. It was a matter of absolute importance in our lives. Well, let's leave that conversation. And let's go back into the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, to look at a different conversation that Jesus had. Now, not with some religious leaders, but with 11 of His disciples. We know that it's at the very back end of His ministry, we're talking on the other end of the resurrection, and Jesus had told His disciples to gather uh, on the side of a mountain that He would meet them there, and when He got there, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, He says these words, He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Now, that should beg a question all of us. We should be thinking, well, who's given him this authority? Well, 
his own Father in heaven has given him this authority which now positions what he is about to say even in a stronger way. Jesus says to these, to these men, he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. You know, Christ's final words, his parting words were incredibly clear. There was no ambiguity at all about what he was saying to these men. Judas is not there, Judas is gone, he's got 11 men still there with him. It's incredibly clear. History tells us Jesus ascended back into heaven and what did these men do? These became their marching orders. This became the thing that they lived their lives by. It's what got them out of bed in the morning. It's what gave them purpose for living and doing life for these 11 men. And then the early church, you follow that story, it became uh, the thing of primary importance. It was the thing that they gave their lives to. They gave themselves to the mission of Jesus. So what do these two conversations have to say to us today? Here we are some 2,000 years removed from all of that. We weren't there when these conversations were being held, but we have them. We have these conversations in God's Word. What does it say to us today? Well, I want to I suggest to us today that while there are many great things that you and I can be doing this year, you know, uh, enjoying the fruit of retirements, uh, traveling as that kind of comes back online. Maybe it's going off to university or beginning to, to, to uh, you're starting a new job or building up, whatever it might be. All those things are good. But these two conversations tell me there's something even greater. There is a, there is a far greater vision for our lives than just the way in which we kind of go about living life here on this earth. You see, these two conversations tell me it's about loving God. It's about loving others and getting on with the mission of Jesus. Pretty simple, isn't it? When it kind of comes to living as a follower of Jesus in this world, you know, we sit here in this room, we come into this room, we gather together to worship, or maybe you're online today. It's really simple as followers of Jesus, loving God, loving others, and getting on with the mission of Jesus. That's what it's all about. That was the vision that Christ and His Father in heaven had for us as His people here on earth, loving God, loving others, and getting on with the mission. So what does that mean? What's that look like for those of us who are endeavoring to kind of live that out, practically speaking, here on earth? What's it look like for those of us who are teenagers or young adults or we've got young families or we're kind of pushing into kind of towards retirement or enjoy the, those golden years? What's that look like, practically speaking? Well, I want to suggest that for all of us, the last two years, it has been incredibly difficult, hasn't it? We think about loving God, loving others, and getting on with the mission of Jesus. You know, it, in, in one sense, you know, I don't want to make everything about COVID because COVID gets the blame for everything. But the reality is the last two years, the journey that we've been on the last two years has made some of what we've done of loving God, loving others, and getting on with the mission of Jesus much more difficult. Now, I am really proud of this church in, in a good way in terms of what the Spirit of God is doing in this place in the hearts of people, because I think we've, in one sense, we've held on and we've hung on with hope, with a great sense of faith, believing that, you know what, there are better days coming and that, you know what, this hasn't caught God by surprise and we're going to find our way, we're going to move our way through this. And I think we've continued to be a light here in this community. We've continued to demonstrate God's love and care in practical ways to people all around us. But if I'm honest, it's still been an incredibly tough year for, for many of us. 
And right now, many of us are maybe feeling a little battered and bruised, smashed up, and we're still here in this space, but it has been tough. I mean, you think, you know, who would have imagined that we would have spent so many weeks and months kind of locked up and isolated from family and friends due to government regulations? And then the moment that we came out of that, uh, it was pretty obvious what everybody was thinking as people's frustration, their emotions began to bubble up and boil over and people began to vent from everything, about everything from masks to mandates. You know, if you're living in Western Australia, they don't even know about those things. Or in another state, but you know, here in Victoria, I mean, this has been part of the journey that we have been walking on. And, and who in, in their wildest imagination could ever have believed that a virus that you cannot see would have such an impact where it would isolate and divide, isolate and divide, isolate and divide? But it is true. You know, as a pastor and as one of the pastors, you know, and, and all of us will know this. You have to be a pastor to know this. For the last 12, 18 months, you know, it's, it's polarized families. It's fractured friendships. It's broken up marriages. It's divided our community and dare I say, but sadly so, it's even driven a wedge into the bride of Christ, his church. And who's had a field day with all of this? It's been our enemy. The Gospel of Luke tells us that our enemy, Satan himself, seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And if there's anything that he has done, he has been wreaking all kinds of havoc over the past few months with all of that. You know, what does it look like for us to grab a hold of, of, of Christ's vision for the church around loving God, loving others, and getting on with the mission of Jesus? Because that's what we should be giving ourselves to. Well, I want to suggest that I've been thinking about this. Obviously, I've been thinking about this. We've all been thinking about it. But, you know, as I was thinking about this message for today, you know, over the past few months, I couldn't escape the fact that what I sense the Spirit of God is saying to us, that it's all about, it's, a, it's about a call of renewal in our lives. You know, we have been pushed and pulled, pushed and pulled. And some of us are really battered and bruised, but today it is a call not just for some of us, but it is a call of renewal for all of us around loving God, loving others, and getting on with the mission of Jesus in this world. Not just for pastors, not just for those who are more highly committed, but it is a call that Jesus gave to everyone around loving God, loving others, and getting on with the mission of Jesus. And church, I want to urge us today that, that, you know what, I think there are exciting times ahead. I do honestly believe, I'm not just saying that because I want to get us up, I do honestly believe that the best is still yet to come as we follow Jesus. You know, uh, Jesus never promised that we would have good times all of our lives. In fact, you know what, I actually wonder, I can't prove this, but you know, I actually wonder whether we are living in a period which is more normal than we want to give it. You see, I, I hear people say to me, Dave, I can't wait till things get back to normal. I can't wait till things get back to normal. But what if this is normal? I don't mean to scare us, but you know, if you look back over the last 100 years, there's been a lot of pain. And really, maybe we've been living in a bubble for the last 20 or 30 years in this time of prosperity where we've been really able to do anything that we've wanted to do and we've just prospered in all of those things. 
But if you look back just over our limited time span, you know, some of us in this room, we're, we're getting closer to maybe 90 or, or maybe even 100. You know, for those members in our congregation, our gathering, who, who have lived a lot longer than we have lived, you will know that, uh, that it has not all been plain sailing in this country. You know, uh, we've had two world wars, we've had a depression, we've had uh, a Korean war and a Vietnam war, and we've had a Spanish flu. Uh, it has been a time of trouble. But you know what? Jesus never said that we'd have this perfect world. And he keeps calling us, keeps giving us this vision around what it looks like to love God and to love others and to be on mission with Jesus. You see, we've moved out of something. We're kind of moving into this kind of what seems to be a gray period in this world where we're not quite sure what the future is going to look like, but we certainly know what vision we should have as we're kind of moving through some of that. And it's around loving God, loving others. It's a renewal to loving God, loving others, and getting on with the mission of Jesus in this world. But I want to say this. You know, as we talk about a renewal, as we talk about what that might look like for us individually and collectively as a church, I realize that hits all of us in different ways. You see, for some of us, this idea of a, of a call to renewal is an easy thing for us to grasp because as we look back over some of the challenges of the last 12 months, that uh, what it's done is it's actually driven us deeper into Jesus. And you may not have enjoyed the experience because it hasn't been an enjoyable experience, but as you look back over the last 12 or 18 months, it's actually been a time in which you've maybe prospered spiritually because it's driven you closer to Him. It's driven you deeper into His Word, deeper into community with other people, deeper in dependence on Him. And, and out of that, you sit in a place today where you think, you know what, I school, there's still a lot more transformation the Spirit of God's doing in my life. But I've got to say that as challenging as it was, these have been some of the best years of my life. And so if that's you today, I want to say, do you know what, I want to affirm that. I don't want to say, well done in all of that. Well done for standing strong in these particular times. But for others of us, a call to renewal, we know in our own spirit we need that desperately. We know that we need that big vision of, of Christ over our lives, of loving God, loving others and getting on with the mission. But you know, we don't want to embrace it because we're, we're kind of carrying so much hurt and pain from the last 12 or 18 months. We know we need it, but our pride stops us from going there to embrace this work of renewal. And some of you might know what I'm talking about. You know, you've been living with fear and anxiety. You're disillusioned today. Or maybe there's hurt and there's anger that's bubbling up in you because of the loss of broken dreams or things that just haven't eventuated, the loss that's happened in your life. And so instead of pushing in deeper into Jesus you've moved the other direction. Instead of trusting in His Word, you've trusted in the, the opinions and the comments and the thoughts of other people on social media. And other things are beginning to drive how you live and you do your life. You're still hanging on to your faith, but you're kind of hanging on maybe by a threat. Well, if that's you today, then I want to encourage you as well too, because the reality is you don't have to stay there in that place. And you aren't on your alone, and you're not alone. I mean, Jesus promised us in His Word. He's promised us in Matthew chapter 28. He told His 11 disciples that He would never leave us nor forsake us. And to those of us who are weary and carrying lots of burdens, He has also said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you my rest. Not the world's rest, but His rest. 
And boy, I think there's a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of people who are following Jesus today that need not the world's rest, but they need His rest. You know, there's a reason why there's been a huge spike in people consuming alcohol over the last 12 or 18 months. It's because they've been trying to find some peace of mind somewhere. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you my rest. You see, if that's you today, then I say, you know what? You need a work of renewal in your life. Don't let your pride get in the way in any of that. You need a work of renewal in your life. You know, what is it? that you need to be prioritizing in your life as we come into this year. You know, maybe for some of us, you know, what it is, it's a reaffirmation today. It's a decision where you say, you know what, I'm, I'm reaffirming, you know, this strong stance that I've got. You know what, God, I'm grateful for your grace and your mercy in my life. You've got me to this place and I'm hanging on and I'm in community. I'm loving God and I'm loving people. I'm, I'm growing in my faith. And if that's you, then maybe it's a reaffirmation of this commitment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself and to passionately embrace the mission of Jesus. And you're living that out, and I want to say, well done if that's you. Keep standing strong because this world needs courageous men and women who are faithfully following Jesus. Keep doing that. But maybe for some of us, it puts us in a place of repentance. That's not a word that we use very often, isn't it? It's kind of like we don't use it because it's kind of like uh, the person who kind of there's lots of joy and someone just pops the balloon. It's like, oh gosh, you don't want to use that word. But you know what? Maybe we should be using this word a bit more often. You know, we don't hide, we don't shy away from talking about sin and here at Bendigo Baps. But you know what? For some of us, maybe there's the reality that as we look back on our life and the way in which we have lived out our life, we, there is remorse and regret. That's repentance. I want to say, if that's you today, you know what, the Scriptures, they are so encouraging us, to, you know, of those of us that find ourselves in that place. You know, let me be honest with you. There's been times in my life over the last 12 or 18 months when I've had to repent of an attitude or a poor attitude I had in that particular moment to things that were going on. Just being honest. Or, or maybe it was a sense of me not trusting God in that moment and thinking through, well, I'm going to come up with what I think is going to be right in this situation. God convicted me. I had to get back down on my knees and repent and say sorry and that sense of remorse in me and, and ask for the forgiveness of the Spirit of God and to help me to, to kind of move out in a fresh and a new way. You see, all of us at different times in our lives find ourselves in that space where we need to repent. It's, it's change. It's a change that we're doing. You know, Psalm 51, King David, one of the, one of the greatest psalms of repentance uh, David teaches us, he reminds us that God delights in a broken and a repentant heart. God doesn't care about how great our programs look like or how many people come to our gatherings. What God really wants, He wants our hearts. And if there's anything that maybe, some, maybe a whole bunch of us, things that we've got to do as we look out towards His vision for this year around loving God, loving others and, and being about the mission, it's got to start with a heart response. That's what he desperately wants. See, there's all kinds of things that we can give ourselves to this year. 
and all kinds of good things. And I'm looking forward to many of them, don't get me wrong. But the thing of most importance, of absolute priority, for each of us in this room and online right now, it's about loving God, it's about loving others, and getting on with the mission of Jesus. See, God does some of His best work in the lives of broken people. And so as I think about this year, I have great hope for this year because I realize that out of our brokenness, uh, out of that place of us feeling like, you know what, we didn't always get it right, that God will begin to do something beautiful. I don't know whether you remember this image, but I do. It was about this time two years ago where we were suddenly beginning to hear of a global pandemic. And we were kind of trying to make sense of what that meant. But most of us have probably forgotten what was going on just prior to that here in this land, of, this great land of Australia. You see, between September 2019 and March 2022, a period of nine months, there were fires that just decimated this country. We've forgotten about them, haven't we? How quickly we move on from that. You know, in that nine-month period, there was around 46 million acres of land that was scorched to a cinder. They estimate, and I'm not quite sure how they find this, but they estimate that there were some three billion animals that were destroyed in this country that lost their lives. 3,500 homes or dwellings just gone. And tragically, 34 people lost their lives. We don't even talk about that anymore, do we? It's just gone. Shows you how quickly we kind of move on to the next thing that maybe is sitting right front and centre of our lives. You know what? When you look at images from that time, you know, trees just burnt to a cinder. Life just gone. Something began to happen over the coming weeks and months, about four or five, six months after this had finished, winter had come. You know, there was a sense of new life and regrowth, a sense of renewal. You see, I look at that picture and that gives me some hope as we move into 2022. You know, as I think about my own life or as I think about the, where the church currently sits, you know, it is out of the ashes that the Spirit of God, when we yield our lives to Him, that He begins to do His good and perfect work and He begins to renew, He begins to regrow what He wants to do in, the, in our lives. And, and if He's going to do it in the church, it starts with us first. You know, I want you to think about that for just a moment. You see, that image is a powerful image as you think about, uh, you know, as you think about that and, and what that then might look like in our lives as well too. You see, if you're here today and, or you're watching online and you're thinking, you know what, I feel like, you know, I know I need this idea of renewal in my life, but I, I'm not necessarily wanting to embrace it. I want to encourage us that... Uh, uh, this is not just a call for some of us. This is a call for all of us to, to make a renewed commitment in our own spirit to yield our lives to the work of the Spirit around loving God, loving others, and getting on with the mission of Jesus. 
And if we're willing to yield our lives to the work of the Spirit, He promises to do something new. You know, I want you to imagine for just a moment, and you might want to close your eyes for this. I want you to imagine what the Spirit of God might do in each of our lives, my life included, if we grabbed a hold of this big vision that Jesus has for our lives, if we were willing to yield ourselves to make a a renewed commitment to loving God, loving others, and being about the mission of Jesus, what that might do, not only in our life, but in the church. You see, it might be the very thing that restores families, brings together friendships, works community back together, and dare I say, make the church an unstoppable force in this world. But it comes out of that place of us being willing to be humble. You know, one of the greatest tricks of the enemy is to pride. He says, you don't need this. You stand on your own dig. You, you don't need to do that. And you know what? You're well within your rights to kind of carry that, that spirit of bitterness or anger or resentments. Can I just say it's not going to get you anywhere now apart from just leave you in a really bad space. Today, the Spirit of God is calling each and every one of us. Truly believe this. To renew ourselves, to make a renewed commitment around the vision of Jesus, around loving God, loving others, and being about the mission of Jesus. How would you bow your heads with me? Our team is coming back on this morning. I want to give us an opportunity right now to respond to what the Spirit of God is doing, not only in this room, but online, but in our hearts. Because what really matters most right now is it is a heart response. It's not about how others are responding. It's not about whether you're giving me the right response. It's about a heart response to what the Spirit of God is doing in your life. In just a moment, we're going to have communion together. We're going to sing and, we're going to, and I'll come back in just a moment to lead us through communion. But I'm going to pray for us right now. And I'm going to pray that in this moment, uh, as we are thinking about the response for ourselves, that there'll be a real sense of what the Spirit of God is saying to us around what we are going to prioritize in our lives in 2022. Would you join me? Let me pray. Father, I am so grateful to be a part of a church that you love that's full of people who are endeavoring to live their lives in a way that honors you and puts you on display. Jesus, we thank you today for the reminder of what's really most important. Thank you for helping us to see that there's lots of things in life that we can give ourselves to, but really it's your vision of loving God, loving others, and getting on with your mission, making what you've called us to do the most important thing. And so I I ask that you would uh, help us now as we make decisions. Holy Spirit, would you prompt us with what we need to do? Whether that's a a reaffirmation around what we're already doing or whether that's uh, in a moment of just repentance where we cry out to you. Holy Spirit, would you renew what you are doing in our lives? Would you renew what you're doing in your church, your bride's? And as you do that, 
we pray that your church, expressed even as it is here, right here, uh, in this room with this group of men and women who aren't perfect, that as we yield our lives to you, that you would continue to, to do, that you would continue to have your way and your purpose around us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing. I'm going to come back and then lead us in some communion.